0: It's a blessing to be in the men's home this morning, Hallelujah. and I'm excited, uh, not only just to see the growth that's taking place, um, but also because we're, we're going to be starting a new series, amen, and uh, I know that I've been mentioning it, that we were going to start the, the Christian 12 steps, and uh, in all reality, man, it was, it was dealing with me right, right out from the gate. I was like, man, I'm a jacked up individual, amen. But it's going to really open up a lot that we're going to find out about ourselves all the way back to childhood up until now. And, and not only that, but the resolution of how, how to correct, you know, what was in us that became separate from God's will for our life we 're going to be able to find the resolution and the direction from God on which way we need to go to turn away whether it was life of addiction, life of purposelessness, or whatever you battled with in your life you know we 're going to find the direction. From God, and I just want to begin by also thanking God for my salvation, for saving a knucklehead, a, a person that didn't deserve the glory or the love of God. I was somebody who denied Him, rejected Him, was disobedient to Him. But while I was a sinner, He still loved me, and I'm, I'm grateful for God's love. I'm grateful for our pastors. Man, they came by last night, and and we were like. Forever at that life group, but it was good. You know, we spent like three hours, but they were just pouring into all the marriages, and and it was a great time. I told everybody, I was like, that was like the best life group. You know, pastor always raises the standards, so now we're like, okay, now we gotta come back even harder next week, amen. But it was a great time we had last night. I'm grateful for them, and I'm blessed by my beautiful wife, man. She's enduring through this very difficult season, uh, physically and medically, of her life, amen. But let's open up our Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter one. A very familiar scripture we'll open up with, and then we'll pray it in from there. And if you want to title it, um, you could title it 12 Steps Introduction. 12 Steps Introduction. Genesis 1, verse 27, and the Word of God reads like this So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you, my God. We thank you, Lord, not only for being our creator, but also for being our Savior and our Lord. And we ask this morning that as as we begin this new series that... That our hearts would really be open. I pray, God, for walls that are up right now, that they would be broken. I pray for any barriers, God, that they would be demolished, any chains, any restraints, God, that that they would be removed and released, my God. We're believing in a loosening of any strongholds that the enemy may have upon us, my God, as we embark this new journey with you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give me the words and the guidance to be able to minister your word properly. Let me say nothing more, nothing less than you intend for me to say, God, that I would simply be your messenger, Lord. We pray that you would be given all the honor, and glory and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we all pray. Amen and amen. Twelve steps. The introduction. Uh, most of us are familiar with AA, with the you know the twelve steps to recovery. Uh, but what we're going to be getting into for the next couple of weeks is the Christian twelve steps. It's been proven of the effectiveness of the twelve steps success. But what is unique about our twelve steps is the implementation of Christ and the Word of God. You know, it's, it's, awesome. it's a good thing. Those of you that know the history, how many of you guys have been to AA before? I've been there. Right? And you, you sometimes they make you watch the movie, or even if you've ever been to any kind of alcohol uh, treatment class, you've probably watched that movie about, uh, you know, the AA founders, and how his life was, his lack of alcoholism, how it almost destroyed everything, and he went, you know, and created this 12 steps that helped him. Again, they're successful, and they're great, But the one that we're gonna do is is with Christ. With Christ. How do we do this with Christ? How many guys know we can't do anything apart from God? That apart from God, that we're not gonna succeed, we're not gonna make it to the heaven. The Bible says that unless you come to me, you know, no one no one can get through the heaven. That's what Jesus said. That we can only get to the Father through Jesus. Coming from a life of addiction or alcoholism, we need to go through a healing process. We've done a lot of damage. Who's who's been an addict for over twenty years, thirty. Come on, Mike. Mike's in thirty, over thirty years. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of damage we've done. A lot of burned bridges. A lot of hurt people. Uh, probably court cases, fines, time. Who knows? But we've done a lot of damage. And and, and what this twelve steps allows us to do is start the process of healing. Thank you, dear. For some of us, we needed a miracle. Thank God we have the ultimate miracle worker in in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The miraculous healing from God allows us to be redeemed and fulfill our promise, not only in society, but more importantly, in the kingdom of heaven. And I I like what it says in Ezekiel. You can write it down and I'll read it. Ezekiel 18, 21 through 24. It's in regards to the choice of free will. We know today that God has given us the choice. He says, you make the choice today. I'm not going to force you. I'm, I'm not going to make you. But the choice is yours. And this is what it says in Ezekiel 18, 21 through 24. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgiven and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. So we know today that the choice is ours. The ball's in our court. We know what we need to do that is right, and we know what we could do to be wicked, and, and wicked is anything apart from the will of God, I pray that this 12 steps journey that we're about to begin will open up our eyes to the amazing grace and mercy that God has given us, I'm sure many of you have testimony why you're not supposed to be here today, how you weren't supposed to make it, how you weren't supposed to survive, how you were face to face with death, you might have already had a foot in the coffin, and then all of a sudden a savior came, and he, and he gave you another chance. Just like He did me. See, the Lord is able and willing to give us peace that surpasses all understanding and also to equip us to produce, to produce good fruit for His glory. Not for ourselves to brag about, not for ourselves to boast about, but that our life would bring glory and honor to Him. And the Lord is, is able to do that. No longer do we need to feel worthless. No longer do we need anxiety to rule over our minds. or Neither do we need to listen to the lies that we would never amount to anything. How many of you guys have ever been told that? You're never going to amount to anything. You're good for nothing. You're a low life. You're the scum on the bottom of my shoe. We've been told some crazy stuff. I've been told some crazy stuff before that I could have easily allowed to to influence the the direction of my future and my destiny. But thank God that he gives us the confidence. Thank God that he gives us the perseverance and the endurance to withstand all the persecutions that we face. When the Lord fills us with the Holy Ghost and the fruits of the Spirit manifest within us, that's a good thing self-control, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, so much that the Spirit will give us, that that conquers all of those things that come against us. We transform and shift our perspectives. No longer do we live trying to prove men, but we live to honor the Lord. When that shift takes place, we begin to walk and talk as new creations, the Bible says. We are new creations. The only flaw with AA, better known as Alcoholics Anonymous, is that the word defines a people who are unidentified or unknown. That's the only flaw that I really see with it, besides, you know, Christ not being in the middle. But alcoholics, what? Anonymous. Anonymous. What does that word mean, anonymous? Hidden. Hidden. We're we're not meant to be a hidden people today, amen. We're not meant to be a people that are anonymous servants for the Lord. We're meant to be people that are unashamed of God, of people that are radical for the Lord, of people that are passionate with fervor and zealousy. To serve God. In Christ, we know our identity. We no longer live in shame, and we are unashamed of our faith. We testify, I used to be a drug addict, but Jesus set me free. We sing, I used to be a junkie, but Jesus set me free. We preach it, we teach it. We're unashamed of what God did in our lives. We're we're unashamed of who we used to be, right? I mean, you know, I'm sure we never want to go back to that, but that's who we were. You, you can't erase the past. You, you can't rewind time and change who you were, but you can determine the future. You can determine the road ahead. We don't act like we never were, but we live like we no longer are. We'll learn to love God, to love others, and to love ourselves. How many of you had a hard time doing that? Yes. Loving yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror. Like Man, I hate, I hate that reflection. Yeah, I'll just get up and go, man. I might have a big old pizza stain on my face, but I don't even want to look at myself right now. <laughs> Going to go. I believe with all my heart that through this series, the home is going to get stronger. We're going to go to another level. Breakthroughs are upon your horizon. We grew up through this stuff. Drug addicted, alcoholism, gang violence, incarceration, homelessness, and purposelessness. Many different walks of life are, are before us here this morning. Most of us weren't raised in model homes as far as our parents. We weren't college degree obtaining students. We weren't law abiding citizens or much of a role model for that matter. We had issues. Come on, somebody. Some of us had mental problems. Some of us had behavior problems, relationship issues. We didn't know how to interact or communicate with others. Anxiety gripped us with worry or fear. AA was founded in 1935 and has since helped millions of people discover the way to a better life. Through Through their help, people discover a spiritual side, and they are in no direct affliction with any specific faith. So what is that saying? Like AA, they pretty much accept anybody. You can believe what you want. Just become better, right? With ourselves, we know that God is our higher power. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the living God that is currently seated at the throne of the Father in heaven. Where we benefit from this is that we get God's wisdom, his holy word, the Bible coupled with the effectiveness of the 12 steps recovery. We're a unique people in the kingdom of God. We have a certain place in the kingdom of God, men. We didn't grow up like others did. Most, I don't know if anybody was raised in the church. If there, <laughs> is there, do we have any pastors' children here this morning? But most of us grew up a screw-up, and God turned it around. He made us better. They will help us, this will help us understand ourselves better and grasp the love that God offers the world. This help brings God's love to the areas of our lives that have been damaged In Jeremiah 29, a lot of you are familiar with this. I'll read 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Comforting, man, it's... it's, confidence building to know that god is with us his plans are not to harm us he wants to give us purpose he wants to give us destiny and he's always listening doesn't that feel good to know that someone's always listening there were times in our life when we didn't think anybody wanted to hear what we had to say much less care what we had to say as we apply these steps with the disciplines of bible reading prayer fasting and outreaching we become stronger physically mentally emotionally and spiritually I'm going to give you guys a couple points this morning. Number one, actually this is kind of like homework. Number one, and this is for yourself, I'll check, I'll check individually with you guys later. What I want you to do first is describe your prayer style. And you don't have to do it right now, you know, do this later. But point number one, I want you guys to describe your prayer style. Take your time on this when you do it later. Describe your prayer style. We know the serenity prayer Right. Most of us. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to, things, to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. The definition of serenity is the state of being calm, peaceful and untroubled. But God is our source of power in the home. You will learn how to come before the throne throne room of heaven in boldness to receive strength that he provides that we need on a daily basis. So what is your prayer? Describe your prayer style. Secondly, describe your current spiritual life. Describe your current spiritual life. Those are the only two. I just want you guys to work on those later today. Um, we'll, We'll maybe go, we'll start going over them by Monday. I'll pull you guys individually and we'll just kind of go over how you guys are doing in your prayer life and how you guys are doing in your spiritual life. We need to remember that a lot of the flaws that we have, were developed from different trials, that have transpired in our lives, excuse me, now this evening, or this morning, we're going to cover three areas, that I want us to keep in mind, as we begin this journey, of healing and peace, so this is the real point number one, those two were just the uh, assignments, but point number one, this morning is, the road to recovery, the road to recovery, this road will cause our trust to become stronger in God because He will be the only way that we will go forward on this road to recovery. He's going to take us to work as as we become positive workers with good work ethics. It keeps us in the struggle where normally we'd fall down and it leads us to a new level in our lives that even on our best day before addictions, we'd ever had experienced. The blessing of the Victory Home is a support group that we establish within ourselves In, in these other programs, that are court ordered or you know available they have what sponsors brother you, you got 11 sponsors right here before you amen you got directors that love you you got pastors that that believe in you you got a strong support team being in the home as we go through this this journey in james five sixteen, the bible says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results I don't know if anybody came into the home not expecting wonderful results. If you didn't, then begin to think of some wonderful results that may come to you as, as you go through this process in the home. Because when you don't expect results that are good for your life, then you're sure to hit the other ones, which is nothing. If, if you're in in expecting nothing, you're guaranteed to hit that every time. You could come in and, and expect the most. And as long as you get something, that's better than nothing, right? So expect. Amen. Expect results through the home Galatians 5 13 says for you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love and and that's the unfortunate thing that happens around month three in the home you realize man I've been sober I'm good now man you know what I'm, I'm ready to go back into the world and And just have a couple drinks every now and then. Get myself a little medical marijuana card. And and call it a life. I'm good. No you got to be careful. The Bible says very specifically. You have been called to live in freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy. Your sinful nature. It says instead use your freedom to serve one another. In love. And that's what we teach in the home. is, Is how to serve one another. In love. When we are left to ourselves. Which many of us preferred. That's why it's hard to get close to people. Or even when you do, it hurts if they leave because now you're operating in a sober mind rather than that intoxicated slumber that we used to exist in. Now, now emotions are real. Now, now feelings are, are much more vivid. It's like, man, I, f- I forgot sadness hit me this hard. I forgot that getting upset got me this angry. Because now I'm living in a sober mind. I'm living in a, in a clean life where, where things are visible and, and they make sense. Where before, if I was drunk or I was high, psh, whatever. Talk about me all you want. I don't care. You know, uh, treat me the way you want to treat me. I don't care. I'm feeling good right now. This drug got me feeling good. We got to be careful. Drinking, smoking, snorting, slamming, and popping were the ways that we used to deal with our pain. But the only thing that we're fixing on in the men's home is the Holy Ghost. You got you to gotta get a double dose sometimes. Man, ask, ask the Lord for a, a double portion, an overflow. God, let my cup overflow this morning, Lord. I need an extra portion of you this morning, my God. I'm going to be working with this brother today. God, I need you today, Lord Jesus. Hello. Come on, guys. Prayer, prayer, believing. Subtracting the substances, adding natural feelings, day in and day out of building together becomes quite a heavy load. This is your support group that you're sitting amongst this morning communicating with each other about blowing up one another on one another. We need to learn to be straight with each other without beating around the bush. This is one thing about the communication in the home. If if I were to look at the majority of every altercation, it boils down to communication. There was a miscommunication. It wasn't communicated properly or the communication that was given was misunderstood. But we need to be men today that, that we're, were clean, cl- cut and dry with each other. Just tell it like it is, bro stop beating around the bush or 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 you know how many of you guys get frustrated when somebody's trying to explain something to you and you're just like bro just just tell me just I don't, I don't know what you're saying right now just get to the point well let me let me explain see back when i was in the third grade bro let me no bro just just tell me what you need to tell me man i don't got time for all that right now we are not normal people because somebody say amen? amen we grew up full of resentment Greedy, abused, whether it was verbally, uh, physically, sexually, dishonest, gluttonous, lazy, and, and just jacked up. We were messed up people. Our feelings usually included self-pity, sadness, insecurity, anxiety, fear of rejection, or fear of abandonment. That was our normal. We were not normal people. Come on. See, this is why we need to be straightforward with each other, because we grew up, that was our normal <laughs> So, like, man, we don't got time. We don't got time for people to play games. We don't got time for, for all this other stuff, man. Just be straight. We need to be straight with each other. What I want to cover right now are common behavior characteristics. This will be the, what we close with this morning. This is the area that I was getting dealt with. As we read these, we may deny even having some of them. But I've included some examples to to describe what some of the signs are of these behaviors. And the reason I want to go over these behaviors is to show us we got some areas that we need to work in. And not only are there some areas that we need to work in, but God has the solution for these areas. He provides the answer so that we can conquer these behavioral areas within our lives that we can become men that are obedient and submissive to His will. The first one, low self-esteem, low self-esteem. This makes it easier for us to judge others and ourselves without mercy. Cold. And that brother, that brother's all jacked up over there. He needs to change his life. He, he needs to just get it together already. And, and we, we don't have no problem letting people know their problems, their flaws. Low self-esteem prevents us from opening up. We become control freaks, short-tempered, and gossipers because we are uncomfortable with confrontation. We'd rather talk about somebody than go and talk to them. I can't stand the way that brother, he always looks at me, the way that he talks to me, the way that I know he feels about me. We're assuming, but we're acting like we know, right? I know the way he really feels about me. Do you really? You're assuming you know what they feel about you. But do you really know what they feel about you? That's what low self-esteem will cause us to think and do. We're we're quick to point others' flaws out. We are our own worst critic. How many of you guys know how to kick yourself down really good? Give yourself a little ghetto back. You are stupid. You're an idiot. You're messed up. You're never going to be good. We could beat ourselves up really good. We don't feel self-belonging. And we do the most to be noticed. Like we don't feel that belonging ourselves. But we're doing the most on the outside so that people will notice us. And we complain about others who make us feel low. Right? Again, because we avoid confrontation. When we have a low self-esteem, we complain about other people that make us feel low rather than confronting them and dealing with those situations. Another behavioral characteristic that we have lived is being antisocial. The definition of antisocial is not sociable, not wanting the company of others. We don't like to stand out or be noticed if you're an antisocial person. The feeling of uncomfort when it comes to certain conversations, but especially when they are specifically about us, right? It's hard to be expressive, especially when it comes to leadership. Like it's okay if if people want to talk to each other as long as we're in the home, but man, when the leader has to talk to me, oh man, I don't got time for this. I already know he's going to kick me down. I already know he's going he's to tell me to change in certain areas. People with antisocial characteristics prefer isolation rather than gathering or, or being in the community. Which, again, the support group, us, the home, are the community. That's why you got to be careful not to be that one brother that's away as everybody else is eating dinner together. That when everybody's walking to the job site, you're that one that's, that's you know the lone ranger. Antisocial is the characteristic that is the result of that. And the Lord teaches us to what? He says that you need to reach all people and preach my word, baptizing all nations in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to be that person if we're antisocial? I tell you about God, but I just don't know how to talk to people. You got to learn that in the home. You got to let go of that isolation. Another behavioral characteristic is approval seekers. Approval seekers. We search for the approval or acceptance from others. We worry that others, what others may say about us, and often assume people are talking about us. When you walk up to a group and they're all talking, but as soon as you get there, what happens? It's Quiet. What were you guys saying about me? Were you guys talking about me? How can you guys all stop talking? And then what happens, we start to get in this, this little funk. Like, bro, it wasn't even about you. It had nothing to do with you. But that's what happens when you are an approval seeker. If we live a life where we're seeking the approval of men, we're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be fulfilling. Another behavioral characteristic is sensitivity. Sensitive. Nobody wants to admit that they're sensitive. The word itself is horrible, right? Sensitive. I ain't sensitive, bro. Start crying. <laughs> not sensitive, man. We are intimidated by angry people. We, we can't stand criticism and often struggle with anxiety. We don't like to hear messages on the wrath of God. Why do they got to preach on that? Why do they got to preach about hell? Why do they got to talk about sin today? Why do they got to talk about temptation today? Like, brother, that's what needs to be spoken. It needs to be dealt with. We usually say the things that we know people want to hear. When we're a person with sensitivity, we just say the things that we know people want to hear. Because we don't like to, again, be straight. Just just tell the truth. Just just speak what's really on your heart. Speak what's really on your mind. No, instead, what do we say? How are you doing, bro? You could be going through hell. I'm good. I'm okay right now. Right. Hey, I heard the way that uh, so-and-so was talking to you, man. Are you okay? No, no, no. We're, we're good. Yeah, everything's cool. Everything's fine. We're saying what people want to hear rather than opening up and, and allowing somebody to be able to counsel or guide in a situation. Here's another one. Being addicted to the wrong people. Being addicted to the wrong people. We become drawn to others who don't show interest in our real problems, while we are turned off by the ones that truly care and are beneficial to us. Amen. We're drawn to people that they really don't have too much concern for our true well-being, but the ones that really do want to ask those tough questions and the ones that really do have a heart for us, we, we push those ones away. We live, we give into temptation easier when we are addicted to the wrong people. We cling to people who don't care about us. We even let others dictate our responsibilities. When when those people that don't care, man, bro, you don't got to worry about them kids. You know, somebody else will take care of them. Bro, forget your wife, man. Just, just go find another girl. That doesn't sound like somebody that really cares. That doesn't sound like somebody that really wants to help you. They're just done hearing about your complaining Here's the easy answer, man. Just, just take that. Can we get high now? Can we drink now? Can we party now? You got some more money? And then there we are. We're, we're, we're just giving them everything. And the people that want to help us, the ones that are like, hey, man, you can't be living like that. You, you're, you're better than that. Stop wasting your time. We're like, Psh, man, I don't got time for you, man. I don't want to hear from you. Another behavioral characteristic is the victim. <clears throat> we feel victim to circumstance and surround ourselves with others who also are victims. We replace love for pity and seek others that we pity in attempt to rescue them. How many of you guys have ever done that? You're like, man, I, I think I love this person. I really just feel sorry for them, but I'm going to step into their life and I'm going to rescue them. We try to help others and then we get upset when they don't appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't ask you to help me. That person didn't ask you to help them, but you're upset because the help that you offered them wasn't appreciated. You weren't giving a thank you. You weren't giving a, hey, man, I, good looking. No, just you help somebody out, and you're sitting there like waiting for the high five, and they're like, cool. Hey, what about my high five, man? Pat on the back or something. We try to help others, and then get upset when they don't appreciate it. We exhaust ourselves trying to fix other people. We are good listeners, and then we get mad when others don't listen to us. We offer that ear, and then when we got something to say, and that ear doesn't want to hear, we get mad. But I just listened to you for like three days straight about your ex-wife. All I got to do is talk to you for about 30 minutes, and you can't even offer me that ear. That's what happens when we are a victim. Another one is over-responsible and irresponsible. Over-responsible and irresponsible. This was pretty easy. We either do too much, or we don't do enough. When you're over-responsible, you're doing too much. You do way too much. Like, okay, this is just above and beyond, man. Relax, slow it down a little bit. And irresponsible, we're not, we're, not even, we're not even trying. Just whatever. doesn't matter. Guilty of self-defense. Guilty of self-defense. When you have this behavioral characteristic, we feel wrong after standing up for ourselves. We stand up for ourselves, and then later on we're like, man... Maybe I shouldn't have said that, or I feel wrong for defending myself the way that I did. We're uncomfortable when certain people are looking for us or want to talk to us. Why are they looking for me? They want to talk to me? Oh, man, I already know. I already know, right? We we bottle our emotions up, and they usually erupt. Because we don't know how to control them. We don't know how to release them. So we bottle that anger. We bottle the frustration. And then all it, all it takes is one little button to be pushed. Boom! Just blow up on, on anybody. Whoever it is, we just let it all out. When we are guilty of self-defense. Another one is the fear of rejection. We are terrified of abandonment. We stay in jobs or relationships that are bad for us. When people who are close to us are silent... Or emotionally absent, we fear the worst and start to panic. Why are you quiet right now? Are you mad at me? How, how come you're not, you're not you are know, are you okay? Did I do something? Is it something that I said? We begin to panic. Not, not worry, no, panic. Panic is like, if you're a pilot in a plane and the engine goes out, what happens to the pilot? Oh man, we gotta get the parachute, man. We gotta get ready to hit the eject button. This thing's about to blow up. That's panic. And we fall into that mode when we feel like people aren't giving us the attention that we desire. Often, people who are f- fearful of rejection are daydreamers. They're just dreaming of a better, a better life. Just dreaming and dreaming. They're, they're often caught in fantasy. When leaders don't recognize our work, we feel that they are displeased with us or ready to cut us off. Like, man, I, I just cleaned the bathroom with all my heart. And Brother Stephen didn't even care. I just did all these. I just cooked my heart out. And Brother Stephen didn't even say thanks. I think he's about to let me go. He's about to kick me out of the home. We begin to think crazy because we don't have that, that acceptance, the, the fear of rejection. Another one is denial. We we'll just have a few more, guys. Stick with me. Denial. We want people to leave us alone. Usually, we were raised in a dysfunctional family if we have the characteristic of denial. The feeling of hopelessness or helplessness. We put a lot of effort in not revealing our true selves and manage how others think about us. I used to be really good at that. I'll, I'll let people see a certain side of me. And 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 when I seen that they started to feel differently, I would do things to make them change the way that they felt about me or change the way they thought about me. We put a lot of effort into that. Another one is difficult, difficulty in intimacy. Difficulty in intimacy. We have an insecurity and a lack of trust in others. We make fun of ourselves. We, we belittle our appearance, maybe the way we talk or maybe the way we walk. You know, it, it's easy for us to clown on ourselves. When people who are close to us feel angry, we become threatened regardless if it has to do with us or not. We just feel threatened when people that are close to us become angry. That's a sense of, of uh, difficulty, see, and intimacy. I'm sorry, difficulty and in intimacy. It's difficult for us to finish projects all the way through. We do things at the last minute. We have a, a plate full of things we are excited about, but never do them. Wait, that was, another, that was another characteristic. I forgot to put it up. I think that was uh the behavior of, of uh, finishing projects through. Sorry. We do things at the last minute. Procrastinators, basically. Procrastination. I, I used to... Battle with procrastination badly. We have a plate full of things that we're excited to do. Man, I can't wait to take my kids here. I can't wait to take my wife on this date. I can't wait to do this activity with the men. But they're also sitting there. No action has been taken to complete them.
1: That's the next one, procrastination.
0: Yes. Okay, the next one now is control. We overreact to change that takes control from us. Wait, 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 wait. Why, why are they changing it? What what are we doing now? Oh, no, we can't do that. No, we need to go back to the old way. We are all up in people's business, even to the point of searching their personal belongings. When we're in a team setting, we struggle to allow others' creativity to be done because we want things done our way, right? We are high-strung and usually can't sleep when control is your behavioral characteristic because you need to be in control. You need to have control. Another one is We act before we think. This is the last one. We act before we think. We often settle for less because we don't want to spend time in deciding. You're given options. Hey, uh, here's some options for you. Just give me that one. Well, don't you want to hear what the other ones are about? No, just give me that one. But there's some really good options. Just give me that one. Okay. And then what happens? We usually make mistakes. We make more mistakes than anything. We say or do things that we end up regretting later. We don't spend much time in planning, but again, we make many mistakes. We make commitments that we later regret, and then we ask somebody else to cancel them for us. Hey man, I told so-and-so that I was going to clean their whole backyard, but I really didn't want to do it. Can you go tell them that I'm not going to be able to do that? Like, brother, you're the one that made the commitment, you go tell them. You go cancel that commitment. But these are just the different behavioral characteristics in this introduction. Again, like I said, we're going to find the resolution to a lot of these, you know, as I was studying and preparing this series, and, and this is just the introduction today, I was like, man, I deal with so much, I have so many flaws, and what I want to do right now is open it up for discussion, would anybody like to share which of these characteristics that they may have, anybody that's willing to share?
2: Um, back before, I think, mm. you know, um, I do that. I, I think I see a situation that I can take advantage of and I'm like, that one the best suit. It'll be the quickest way. It's gotta be God. It's gonna be awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's a <laughs> shortcut. You know, and I don't even want to hear the rest of them because mm-hmm. I already got this one mapped yep. out in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then it never plays out. Yep. Never. I've been bumping my head up to the same, you know, over the same cycle for like mm-hmm. the last few years. And so, I, I that one definitely... Uh,
0: what what was your reaction as as you were listening to the the descriptions of that one?
2: Oh uh, well, it it it's it's
0: uh. Was it relatable? Like, yep. It's
2: relatable, and you know, it's, it's it was a little funny to me because I was like, man, I love it when God gives me the description of what I'm going through. <laughs> it's like, okay, well now you just put it all out there for yep. me, and it's like. Uh, Okay, you can't deny that that that's yep. that's me. So now I can begin to put things into a better perspective. It's yes. like it's not even really all that crazy. It's right. just being a little more patient, exactly, and calm, and you know, and, and uh, making making a decision. decisions. I don't make a decision. Mm-hmm. I jump on. Mm-hmm. There's like there's no deciding. It's just I think you know I I want it's it, 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 it's kind of a, a street mentality kind yep. of thing. You know what I'm saying? You see the first good thing and mm-hmm. it's like just give it to me. I want that. Yeah, you don't even end up it.
0: that's good. And I, I definitely relate to that one as well. And I, I know that uh, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know if I just didn't want to spend the time yeah. to review the other options or, or if it was some kind of a fear of maybe I don't want to know the other options so that if this one fails, I won't I won't miss out on what I what I could have had, right. you know, but that's that's definitely a good one. Anybody else?
1: This I think I'm in trouble. Just dread yeah, Dread falls upon you. you know? And like I think a lot of that has to do with my childhood mm-hmm. because like when I was a little boy my brother was in special ed and my brother would get picked on a lot. So I would always get in fights for my brother. And I didn't have my dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad would only come around like once every three months. Mm-hmm. So I remember as a kid I didn't have my father. And I would cry all the time not having my dad, you know, my mm-hmm. mom had to take on the responsibility of being a disciplinarian. Yep. I was always in trouble. I would get expelled from this school, expelled from that school, me and my brother together. And, like, I think a lot of that stems from that. Like, mm-hmm. I was always getting getting the bad end of everything, yep. you know. And it wasn't until, like, I actually, like, sprouted in my height mm-hmm. that, like, people stopped coming against me. But when I was a kid, I had a lot of, a lot of aggression, a lot of anger, mm-hmm. a lot of anger that I bottled up inside. yeah I, I had no no one to talk to about not being able to see my, my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't blame him, you know, like, I just I just grew up not having my dad, you know, and I, that, 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 that hurts a lot, you know, like, I want acceptancy from the yeah. individuals that I see as, like, a father figure, you know, like, it hurts a lot, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try to work on that, because mm-hmm. every time you come to me, it's always for something positive, mm-hmm. but I struggle with that a lot.
0: And, and again, like I said, when I was reading these, a lot of you were coming to mind, and that definitely did click with you. So the reason I said that it was dealing with me is because like, as I was trying to prepare this, God was like, you're, you're not working with this with this sheep the way that I've intended you to work with him. Or you're not, you're not loving him the way that I've taught you to love him. You're not feeding him the way that you're supposed to be feeding him. So like, as I was studying and preparing, this is taking me almost like two weeks. I was like, man, I had to do a lot of prayer and, and, and just recollecting on my, my position that God has given me the privilege to steward. But again, like, you know, like you said, and, and, and it's, I, I recognize that I'm like, man, every time I either want to give you some good news or, or just some encouragement, and I, and I can sense it. And that's from, you know, more than just yourself. And, and I want you guys to know, too, while, while we're, you know, sharing, we're shaming the devil. Yeah. Because if you look at these characteristics, these are the lies and the deceptions that he's tried to implement within our minds that prevent us from unifying and and going forward in life, advancing the kingdom of God. So as we're shaming the devil, I don't want you guys to feel embarrassed or like, oh, now they're going to have something to talk about me. Again, this is the support group. We are the unit. Amen.
3: For me, what you were saying, low self-esteem is completely opposite. As you know, I had the choice to continue my career in Chicago. Mm -hmm. My family... Everybody in my family, we were raised to be the best, be the smartest, mm-hmm. work hard, make everybody else around you look like a fool, mm-hmm. be the best. Yep. For me, had I taken that job, and believe me, I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I knew that my, I my self-esteem, I'm having. I came back to be humble, mm-hmm. like Eber, Nebuchadnezzar was humble, yes, be eating grass. Mm-hmm. So the opposite side of the coin. Yep. Had I gone and done that, I know that would have been the final wedge between me and God. I'm not, not willing to give up. Yep. God. So completely opposite, but still the same, the same fact. We're all in the same building. Yes. So the opposite sides of the coins that are negative, the quote-unquote positives are just as destructive exactly. as the negatives.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And that's a humbling story about Nebuchadnezzar. Seven years, I think it was, right? Yes crawled on the floor like a beast, he had wild nails and hair, and the people he once ruled knew that he was out there in the wilderness living and eating life like an animal, meekness is the power that God has given us, but we control it, without meekness and humbleness, God can give us the blessings, he'll give us the power but what do we do, we abuse it or he puts it before God we, we can allow that God that job to become our God, well I've already got everything I need, I'm, I'm all set I'm, I'm good, I, you know I'm good from God, but God's like, no, you need to remember the, the one that gave you the blessing, the one that made that opportunity for you, but good. Okay, who else?
1: I'm going to say all of them, uh all of the one, above. The only one that really sticks out to me is finishing up uh, assignments yes. that she gave me mm-hmm. because of my disability. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you guys notice when I'm talking to you guys, my words come out faster than what I'm thinking. And I don't finish my sentence to you guys. Uh, I tend to say it wrong or or uh, some, I can't remember the other word that you had given me. But I know that's one of the problems because of my, my disability.
0: But I think it's greater than your disability, though. That's an excuse, but I think it's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's your heart. How many, how many, this is your third time with me, right? Yes, sir. I remember what I was sharing with you the other day. Each time you left, it was before God's will. It was before God spoke to you. Okay. So, yes, it's true. You, you, Like a lot of us, we, I have, I have a problem with finishing things that I've started, but your, your, your real reason, not, not your disability. It's because you're impatient with God, which many of us are. I'm impatient with God. I think we've all been impatient with God. So, yes. The, the description and the behavior is correct, but I think you need to look deeper at the resolution. It's not your disability. It's something that the Lord needs to fix in here. Because oh, okay. God can fix your disability. Yeah. He's the healer of all healers. The ultimate physician, he can heal that. But this needs to be dealt with. Because you're always going to have that impatient you know, motive to just leave before he speaks. So, yes, but look at the deeper root of it. Anybody else? Okay. All of them,
4: Sensitivity right now. I can't stand people's criticisms because I beat myself up, and so I just it. it's the straw that breaks camel's back. And people mm-hmm. will, um, tease me or mock me because I complain a lot. Because I'm in a lot of pain. Because I know that I've put my life to crap, and um, I feel like a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. And I feel My dad, just, to
0: now let me ask you how long were you in the home the last time or or what the longest time you've ever done in the home
4: five and a half months.
0: when you were at that five and a half month mark uh can you can you recollect and describe your character at that point, before you left?
4: Boisterous, um, loving, committed.
0: How about the way you felt about yourself? I felt like crap. You still, yes. So at that point you still felt like that toward yourself?
4: Yes, because my, my fiancé was doing a program her own, mm-hmm. and I was in, in the men's home. I was trying to that's and she was slipping away from me and then the, um, they were trying to put me in a leadership position and I, and I, and I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel worthy capable of doing it because I had so much inner turmoil in myself mm-hmm. that I used the situation to um, to ignite me leaving mm-hmm. and I left and um, and I, so I was able to blame the home mm-hmm. and I've had that guilt ever since and then three days after I left the home I was in the hospital, paralyzed on my left side, I spent two months in the hospital and then everybody abandoned me and I lived under a bridge for a year and a half before I got this section in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for two years or eight months mm-hmm. so my best friend from high school came about me and brought me here and mm-hmm. I spent 90 days there and I just couldn't stand it and, and so I fled and I and ended up here again and mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just I'm mad because I, I screwed everything up and, and I lost my girl, she died mm-hmm. um, in the process man. she died in treatment after 16 months, she had two months left, and then she died. Mm-hmm. But she snuck a bottle of hand sanitizer from the hospital, she pretended she was sick. And, and she was higher up in the, uh, in the treatment, so um, she, they let her bring her purse, because mm-hmm. she was like, Jaime, um, like, like, leadership position. Mm-hmm. And they found her in her bed dead, and it was just two years ago, and I've been beating the crap out of myself ever since, and I just like, I can't take any criticism because I've screwed up everything, man. Mm -hmm. Everything i touched was a
0: crap. And and the reason I'm asking these questions is I kind of want you to see for yourself, bro. You know that Christ died for you because there was something about you, some value, some worth. So as you read about God's love, I, I want you to learn to love yourself, which is what I spoke at the beginning when we were, you know, starting this teaching this morning. But we're going to learn to love God. We're going to learn to love others. But probably more importantly, you got to learn to love yourself. You're worth something. That's why Christ died on the cross. So that you would be forgiven and given another chance and given salvation. So you got to remember that. And, and find the good. And remember, we've all made mistakes, bro. We, we've all destroyed the things that were good for us, close to us, dear to us. You're not the only one. Uh, not, not to... You know, demean anything about you, but I'm just saying there's a lot of us, we all relate in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not exactly the way you, your testimony is, but bro, you understand that you're around other men that we've all destroyed our lives. We've all crapped it away, but God's doing something now in this season and I don't know how it was for you at the other home, but I know, bro, that this season, man, that, that you really got to not only love God, but love what He loves about you. Mm. See yourself from His eyes. What is it that you see in me, God? What is it that's so valuable in me That you keep waking me up every day. Because if he wouldn't evoke you up today, then that would mean that his purpose for you here on earth is done. But there's still purpose in you. There's something in you that he's calling you to do, to calling you to become, and you have to discover that. You have to discover that it is imperative that you discover why you're still here today. What value you have in you today. And how do you do that? The word of God. The Bible. Prayer. Meditating on him. So I want you to find your value, because you are worth something. Amen. Anybody else? The lack of rejection
5: has brought me to you know, surround myself with the wrong people, mm-hmm. and then surrounding myself with the wrong people has brought me to the lack of intimacy. Yeah. You know, like Being out there and everything that like I was, I didn't care, you know, like I didn't know who people are mm mm-hmm. I said, it's not being afraid of going back out there, You're getting kicked out and
4: all
5: that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I battle with. Yeah. I uh, just want to turn around and say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just want And also, it's leads me the lack of communication. And anything, it's like, man, if you don't understand me, I'll make you understand me, yeah. or you know, vice versa. You're mm-hmm. just to feel that way about so, <clears> right. And that's what, you know, that's what the world has done to me as i went back out there. Yeah. You know, nobody has the intimacy and the heart like how we are over here, you know, we really care about one another. I mean, yes. We wanna we're not trying to pat people on the band or be you know somebody's carpet on mm-hmm. the ground. this is, you know, we, we have uh, we, we we love one another mm-hmm. you
0: know we're to love other others and you know, we don't know about spiritual warfare but uh, now, and let me ask you this, because you've been with me again a few times you've come in and out of the home. You know that you knew that our home was a place where we loved you. I, I still remember the, the first day I met you I think I had just finished cleaning up at the old church or moving out or something, and you walked up, and you were like, hey, I'm uh, you know, trying to get into the home. And it was crazy because I happened to be the home director at the time, and I was like, hey, bro, we're, we're like done at the church. We're actually, I think we walked to the light rail, if I remember correctly, I think, because we, we shot the train back up to this church. We were at the other house on 36th Street. But I, I just remember from day one, man, I, I had a love for you. You know, I, I, felt, I felt for you. You were coming out of that lifestyle, that you're describing right now, being around people that didn't care for you, destroying your life in the streets. So my question is, you were in a home where you knew that you were loved, and like you said, you chose to go to people who really didn't care for you, but you were able to kind of, you know, plant yourself there. What do you think it is in your heart that causes you to, to make that decision like that? Knowing you're in a place where you loved, but settling for a place where you can just kind of, you know, coast.
5: Just something that I'm not used to is a place of love, you know, yeah. this, like, a place of, you know like, just being basically told that I'm not and all this other stuff, even though with my own family. Right. Stuff, you know? mm-hmm. In a way, like, I, I try to be the person that other people want me to be, but then, you know, I knew God loved me. Yes. I knew that say love you, then they say be saying
2: something
5: to you. Mm-hmm. People are living in school and stuff, you know, it was hard. Like, I found a relationship with a girl, and this does only be a place of comfort. Yeah. Less about what I'm right.
0: yeah. and, I, and i just wanted you to identify for yourself because this happens to a lot of us and it's the distortion of love that the devil wants us to believe which isn't true it's the true love of god and the true word of god that teaches us what love is so what i want you to pray is to one know your identity in christ because the enemy is going to lie This whole man, they they want you to walk like this. They want you to talk like this. They want you to be who they want you to be. But if you look at the under root of all of it, it's all the word of God and what God is teaching us to be. We're just uh, an extension of the voice of God repeating what the word of God already says. So it may be spoken through man, but ultimately it's what God's intentions and what God's character for us is supposed to be. You know, And then also... um, I know that, like what you said you were you were kind of fearful of the responsibilities that God had awaiting for you and and it is heavy. I'll, I'll be honest today again, I, I testify frequently, but if when I first came to God, if I would have been told what I'm doing today would be my future, when I first came to God, I would have ran the other way. I would have went running, like, oh no, man you telling me I'm going to live the rest of my life in a man's home, have my family there, and that's going to be the rest of my life? Nope, I'm okay, God. Keep that offer to yourself. But he has to slowly give you a glimpse of what your future is and slowly take you step by step. So what I want you to pray is that God gives you confidence in his will that not only are you chosen for that, but he's going to equip you and prepare you. And that goes for all of us because I think... One major thing of the home, this is not the only one that has dealt with it, but like, man, we're we're fearful of success. We've lived a life in rock bottom so long, that has become comfortable in our normality. So that when we come out of it, we're like, oh man, things are going good, and I'm not messing up. Ah, this is too much. I can't take this. And what do we do? We run right back to the muck and mire. We run right back to our vomit like a dog. How disgusting is it when you see a dog... Eating his own throw up. I see my dog throw up. Like, what are you doing? That's disgusting. But God says that's what we do when we've tasted the glory of God, yet we go back to our old life. Let's all stand this morning. So, this is the introduction, guys. And I want us to be excited. I believe we're going to knock down many walls. We're going to see many chains of bondage released over our lives in this journey. The next teaching will be the first step. I'm excited. The first step is this. We admit that we are powerless over the effects of our separation from God. That our lives have become unmanageable. Amen. So doesn't that already sound good? God says, I'm going to help you manage your life. Amen. Because we were so used to not being able to manage it. Not having control over our decision making. And this is what it says in Romans 7:18. And I'll close with this. Romans 7:18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. The Apostle Paul is speaking like, man, I want to do what is right, but I can't. And what I don't want to do, I do. Hello, story of our lives, amen. But I know God's going to move. He's going to show us and teach us and give us the strength that we need, amen. Let's close out on a word of prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you, God. We come as men of gratitude right now, Lord, and I pray, God, that as as we prepare ourselves for this 12-step journey through you, God, that you would be the center, Lord, that we would grow closer to your heart, God, and that you would teach us to love ourselves and understand the value that you see in us, my God. I pray that you would touch each and every one of my brothers. We thank you. We give you all the honor, all the glory and praise, and in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we all pray, amen and amen. Let's give him some praise this morning. Amen.